0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Don't you love it when uh, someone like Lenny Kravitz can put together a song that goes, this is my heart, right? You, so you got this stuff in your heart, like loneliness or brokenness and that kind of stuff. And God makes an exchange for us. A prayer in there is deliver us from these things. But God does this exchange things for, thing for us. Uh, he exchanges loneliness for community. He exchanges selfishness for generosity. He exchanges brokenness for wholeness. That's beautiful, uh, and a beautiful expression of what God wants to do and does do in our lives. So we're going to talk more about exchanges as we go along through our time together today, uh, but I want you to uh, meet first um, my friend Noel Lapana. So I want you to welcome Noel, please. So this is Veterans Day, uh, and we have a lot of veterans among us. I imagine any veterans among us? Okay, a few. Don't be shy. We uh, are a community that loves to express thanks to people who do things for us, and we want to express our thanks to those who serve for us in the military. Uh, but I thought, you know, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Sometimes we don't talk about what that's like for us, and even what the exchanges are that people that serve in the military make for us. So uh, Noel is a retired lieutenant colonel, and also just finished his doctorate, so he's a, like Dr. Lieutenant Colonel Noel Lapana. You can call him that when you see him in the lobby today, okay? Noel works. <laughs> or Noel works, right? So Noel, uh, we want to hear a little bit about your experience and what you're working on and things in regard to veterans, but give us a bit about your faith story first.
1: Sure. So I was uh, raised in the Catholic Church, um, received all the sacraments from, from that church. Any other recovering Catholics out here? <laughs> Guilt, uh, and got allowed myself to get too busy through college and the the years after that to really stay in, in in good contact with with the church and that practice. Always had a strong sense of spirituality and faith given to me by my mom, uh, but it, in the the time leading up to, during, and after my deployment to Afghanistan, got real close with God. It's like, oh, dude, we might meet soon. Um, <laughs> And I uh, came back with a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of injuries, some um, that you can't see, and got a lot of treatment for those, but it wasn't until uh, I invited
0: Christ into that process where I was actually healed.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Tell us some of the exchanges that you, you have made or that people that join the military uh, make uh, on behalf of the nation, which means on behalf of us.
1: Uh, not to this extent, but we all give up our hair. Uh, and some, some That's not our, military. That's. No. Um. <laughs> uh, but, like I, I, I tell Brad, you know, we entered a contract at one point in in our life. I raised my hand and uh, took an oath to defend the Constitution, as did the other veterans among you, with unlimited liability to ourselves. And that exchange was that, uh, he. The civilians are non-combatants, and I was a, I was a legal combatant. I manage violence on, on your behalf. So if someone, if one of our enemies kills Brad, it's murder. It's a, it's a crime. If they kill me or one of the veterans among you, it's fair game. So that's, that's the exchange. Um, I, I gave up uh, my identity in some regards, my individuality in many, uh, some of my morals in, in, in other times, and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of my health. Um, but, again, with the, the, the help of this church, um, Christ, and, and those around me, I was able to heal from that. And that's what we were on a mission to do. Uh, when I got through that process, uh, I really felt like God put it on my heart to go back down that path and, and bring that, that process, that, that uh, spirituality and, and faith-based approach to healing moral injury, um, which is, looks and acts a lot like post-traumatic stress. But the outlying characteristics of which are unresolved guilt, loss, and shame, and those are things you cannot medicate your way through you can 't think your way through it has to be a transformation, so that 's what we 're out to do
0: yeah. uh, tell us um, Tell us what you 're working on now to help that, help others through the process of recovering from moral injury
1: so uh, I with the help of Dr. Melinda Keenan, who created a program uh, at the Center for Post Traumatic Growth. It's a nonprofit, and we provide moral injury care and post traumatic stress care to veterans and their families and other populations afflicted with those those injuries. Um, first responders, uh, survivors of domestic abuse, uh, human and sexual trafficking, and um, we operate here out of Gold River, and we are partnered with the Military Families Ministry here at Lakeside, which I also lead as an outreach ministry.
0: Tell us about that piece, because I, I want to know. There might be some people that go, I'd like to be involved in this, or I'd like to even know more about it. You know, the enlightenment that you would have to share with us who have never served in the military can be really helpful. So, like, how can people get involved with what you're doing?
1: Sure. So every quarter we hold a family education event here at the Block, and it, uh, it's a Saturday. If you're one of those people who sleeps really good after a hard cry, we're for you. <laughs> uh, but uh it's it's really for the the participants in our program their family members and the community and the and the church to be invited into that conversation what that looks like to sit in a room and and to have a dialogue about what these exchanges are what the the the, the prices and the things that, that veterans and their families carry even after the cessation of hostilities sometimes decades after uh they've returned home and so just by coming and attending um you can even get a hold of me at, at, and any one of our, our folks in the ministry. will put you in relationship, in, in relationship with another veteran or, or peer mentor and, and get you involved and, and open up that dialogue.
0: Yeah, good. Thanks for what you're doing. God bless you. I want to pray for Noel and the other veterans among us and all that ministry that goes to help men and women who uh, come back and carry these things in exchange for us. So let's pray together, okay? Father in heaven, thanks for our friend Noel, and Lord, for the other veterans who are here among us who have had various experiences in their military journey, but have all made exchanges for the sake of others. It's very similar, Lord, to what you've done for us. You made an exchange for us on the cross, so thank you for that. Lord, bless Noel as he leads others and cares for others and helps them to uh, find health uh, after trauma. Uh, May his... Uh, faith in you be strong. May it be contagious. May other people uh, grasp who you are because of what they see in this man. Lord, bless him. Keep him. Make your face shine on him and work through him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks. God bless you, buddy. That is exactly what Jesus does for us when he goes to the cross. He makes an exchange. He he says, I'll go die for you so you can live. A gift that God gives. There's another exchange that God gives to us. In the book of Isaiah, he says, I want to exchange ashes, your ashes for beauty. I want to take the ashes of your life and exchange them for beauty which is really poignant to us today. And I want to take a moment to pray again here before we look into scripture because we're all breathing smoke that's just horrific. And last night I found myself complaining and then I stopped and I went, I have nothing to complain about. A whole town is missing. And we have people in our church family who are connected to people there. We have people in our church family who grew up there. Uh, I was talking to one friend this morning who his, his, the house that he grew up in is gone. His elementary school, his middle school, his high school, all those landmarks of, of childhood are gone. And so just, and I know you're all together in this. We've got people, remember in the, in the summer when the Redding fire was going on, we had our children uh, were doing lemonade stands to raise money to help with that. We have some of those same kids uh, doing cookie and cocoa Stands these days to be able to raise money. Uh, One family raised $1,700 yesterday to be able to help with that. So yeah, really, really good. So I'm just moved by that stuff and I know you are and I I want us to pray for our neighbors there. Okay, let's do that. Father, you are... uh, my first, my first thought about you, Lord, is that you are good. And we see things that happen in our world that make us scratch our head, whether it's war or whether it's fires or disasters like that, and it makes us scratch our head and go, where's the good in that? But Lord, I believe that you are good. I start with that. And I pray for these neighbors of ours, uh, some of whom some of us know, and most of whom we don't even know who they are, but they're our neighbors, and They're in need, great need today. And so I pray for them that you would bring comfort. I know there are churches in Chico and Oroville and other places that are involved in bringing care and goodness and hope to these people that have lost so much. Uh, And I pray for them that they would be able to give that care beautifully. And I pray that you'll provide. I pray that you'll provide hope and recovery and mercy and peace. Uh, to that community, to those communities, Lord, today. And Lord, what we can do steer us and lead us to know what we can do to help as well. Lord, thank you. We love you. Amen. Uh, All right, so uh, just changing gears a little bit, but keeping this idea of exchange in our minds. I just got back from uh journey to israel we took some lakesiders to israel and i know some of you have been like hey how was your trip and you know what did you see and how did it go and i've been collecting stories uh is what's been happening so i got all these stories that i want to tell you about that but i'm not going to give you it in one big data dump okay because that won't really be helpful to you but i'm going to i'm just going to lay them out over the next year and a half until you tell me to stop all right uh, So that's kind of where we've been. Today we're going to launch into a new series. It's called Wishing Well. And it ties back into where we came from uh, about five weeks ago or so when we did our vision weekend and we laid out a rallying cry for us. We said, this is what we're going to rally around for the days ahead. Because everyone in their everyone, every one of us in our lives is in a spiritual journey. Every one of us. And some people don't even acknowledge it, don't recognize it, but every one of us is in a spiritual journey, and we're trying to make progress. And we're just asking everybody, let's go further. If you're here, let's go further. If you're here, let's go further in those things. And so, the whole idea of wishing well in this series is if you were here at that vision weekend, remember we put a wishing well out in the back here in the auditorium. We said, put a card in, tell us how you want to go further, that kind of thing. So, we're taking this series, and it's tied into that. It's not about wishing wells, it's about this God wishes you well. That's the story of our lives. God wishes us well. And it's hard to reconcile that sometimes when you see the disasters that go on in this world. But all the way through the story of God, He wishes you well. And we want to talk about that. And we're going to talk specifically about how God wishes us well in our financial area, in the, in the, in the work that it takes to build up finances, to build up treasures and resources and whatever. And there are churches around the world that will sometimes talk about or they lean into really heavily something that we call the prosperity gospel. Like, if you distrust God, you'll be rich. We don't believe that. But we do believe that God wishes you well. We do believe that God wants you to move forward and to have his grace and to experience his mercy and his life and his beauty. We do believe that. We believe in redeeming money, redeeming it, and redeeming the the work that it takes to earn it, and the the skill to be able to use it, and the ability to enjoy it, and then to pass it on to others. We believe in that. And we want to spend some time talking about that together over the next few weekends so that not only will we be able to experience the well that God wishes in our life, the good that God wishes and works toward in our lives, but that we're able to pass that on to others as well. So that's where we're heading uh, today and the days ahead as we walk through these things. So today, let's let's talk about money a little bit. And I know Christians get a little janky when it comes to money in church. You know, it's like they, as soon as you hear it, you, you like you. You walked in, you saw Lakeside Life's like the upside of money, and you're like, well, at least they're talking about the upside for a change. There is an upside to money, yes. I know you're not con, you're not con, you're not um, used to thinking about it like that in church. You know, everyone else knows there's an upside. There's an upside to money. Like, do make a list. Get out a piece of paper, make a list. You can do it on, the, on Lakeside Life or you can just do it in your head if you're really smart. Um, it's not a long list, like top three. Make a list of the good you could do with money. Are you done? Yeah, okay. I mean, it's not that hard, right? The good. I mean, I can, I can name top three real fast. I can feed my children. I can clothe my children. I can house my children. All right, so make a second list. Again, top three, what good thing could you do with more money? Because that's, really that's really the deal, isn't it? It's not money. It's more money. That's where, that's where it has to go. You got that list? Are you done? Because I can't tell because most of you are not writing. So you're all really smart. So that's awesome. So make a, make a third list. Third list is this. What what good could you do for others with more money handled generously? See, the way you frame the question, the way you write the list makes a difference in how you view what you have. There is an upside to money because you guys have this list It's now got nine things on it, at least nine things, because you all told me you'd do it. you all like, yeah, I can do it in my head. So you got nine things on three different lists. And you're like, oh, here's the good things we can do with money. That's awesome. And I bet there's a zillion things more than what you wrote down in your head. That's the upside of money. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Of course, there's a downside. There's a downside to money. You know, maybe we don't have to talk about that a lot, but let's let's do this. Make another list. This is the last list I'm going to have you make today. Make another list in your head. Now you got a, now you got a lot. You're wishing, I wish I would have wrote this down. <laughs> Make another list in your head of all the problems you've had because of money. And I know some of you are thinking, my problems have not come from money, but from the lack of it. Okay, write those down. That's fine. There is a, a downside to money. What do, we, what do we fight about most in marriages? It's about money. Or you go, no, it's about children. Yeah, but if you had more money, you wouldn't. Now, see, I mean, you can go down these roads. There are warning labels about money. Have you read the warning labels? You know, in the Bible, there are warning labels about money. And they're, and they're big ones. So I, when, one of the, when, we, when we flew into Israel, we took, we took Turkish air. And so we landed in Istanbul. Every Turkish airline goes to Istanbul no matter where you're going. So we went to Istanbul. We didn't have enough time to walk around this beautiful city. So we just stayed in the airport for three hours and walked around the airport. I went into this thing called a duty-free shop. I don't know what it means, but there's lots of alcohol and there's lots of cigarettes. And it's really weird because on the cigarettes, which I never buy, on the cigarettes, there's these warnings. Now, I understand there's warnings on cigarettes in the United States, like little tiny things like the surgeon general tells you that, you know, it'd really be preferable if you didn't smoke because it might cause cancer and bad things, you know, like that. That's not how they do it in Turkey. They just get a big sign on these huge cartons of cigarettes that says, smoking kills. I'm like, all right. All right. Warning labels, big ones. God's got warning labels in the Bible about money. Have you read these? Here's some of the warning labels in the scripture. It says, "The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil." Or this one: "Whoever loves money never has money enough." Like, how do you know if you love money? I don't know. Do you have enough? Wow, that's pretty self, self-answering, I think, right? Uh, ne- another warning label, keep your life free from the love of money, or this one, be on guard against all kinds of greed. The love of money really seems to be detrimental from God's perspective on how we live our lives. There's all these warning labels about it. So we look at it and we go, okay, there's, there's an upside to money. It's pretty clear. There's a downside to money That seems also pretty clear, but money can't be all bad because we all use it. I mean, if money was all bad, somebody among us would be righteous enough to go, I'm not going to use it. But it's not unrighteous. Money by itself is not unrighteous. There There are challenges that come with money. There are warning labels that come with money, but there's an upside to money. There's both these things. There's challenge and opportunity. How do we lean into those things? probably would be good to start with a definition some of you some of you when you went to college you were like business majors and so you probably already got this in college some of you were uh, economics majors so you probably got this stuff already Um, but I didn't I was a religious studies major they don't teach you this in you know like theology 101 but here's here's a dictionary definition of money Money is something generally accepted as a medium of exchange. Something generally accepted as a medium of exchange or a measure of value or a means of payment. We're going to focus on this on this medium of exchange. It's something that you use to make an exchange. You do work, you get an exchange. You exchange your time and your effort called work for money. You take that money and you exchange it at McDonald's for a cheeseburger. That's the exchange. And we all understand that that's, that's how it works. There's an exchange that's made. That's what money does. And as a medium of exchange, it's, it's really another way to describe that is it's a tool. It's a tool in our economy economy, to help exchanges happen better and faster and cleaner. It's a tool. I got tools in my garage. Some of them I know how to use. I'm pretty handy with a shovel. But some of my tools in my garage, I'm not that competent with, like like the skill saw. You know, probably best if I never plug that thing in again. But they're just tools. They're not good or bad. just depends on how you use them. It's a medium. Money is a medium of exchange. Well, then I I, I go, all right, but I got to know what exchange is then. Now I got to define an exchange. Well, exchange can be a noun or a verb. So here's the noun. Exchange is something that is given or received as a substitution for something else. Something that is given or received as a substitution for something else. Or exchange as a verb means to give up something for something else. That's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. He gave up something, his life, in exchange for something else, our lives. You can't engage with God without the concept of exchange coming into it. Christ exchanged his life for ours. And he took our sin. So we have this sin, this thing that keeps us separated from God. The Bible says he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He exchanged that for us. Jesus made an exchange. So we go, okay, uh, money is a medium of exchange, it's just a tool. And tools are not good or bad. They're just tools. It just depends on how you use them. Except when you think about it in terms of exchange, you start to think that it sounds a little bit religious. When you begin to talk about a substitution of one thing for another, it begins to sound pretty religious. Do you know the word atonement? If you're... Uh, been, if you've been following Jesus for a long time and hanging about around in church for a long time, maybe you 've picked up some theological words, atonement is a theological word. it 's a word that means to substitute. So when Jesus went to the cross, He made atonement for us to substitute His life for ours. And now this medium of exchange, where I substitute one thing for another, that starts to sound pretty religious, pretty spiritual in nature. Because sometimes that exchange requires sacrifice. And nobody embodies that like Jesus does. Let's see what the Bible says about it. If you have your Bible, why don't you pull it out and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, but you've got a smartphone with you, you could uh, open that up to the UVersion Bible app and click that. And then... There's a little section on the bottom of that app that says more, and then there's a place that says events, and that'll take you to a bunch of churches that use the YouVersion Bible app, so click Lakeside Church and you'll be there. They made it really simple. And you can click any of those other churches if you want to know what they're talking about today, but it really won't line up with what we're talking about here, so your choice on how to do that. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10 is telling a story from Moses to the people of Israel, On their way into the promised land, they've wandered around the wilderness for 40 years after they were set free from slavery in Egypt. It's been a really tough journey, but they're about to go into the promised land. It's going to be beautiful and amazing, and Moses wants to caution them, before you go in, understand these things. Deuteronomy 8, verse 10, it says this. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to you and to your ancestors as it is today. When we went to Israel, we started our trip actually in the country of Jordan, next door to Israel, because we wanted to go see a place called Petra. Some of you have been to Petra, some of you have never been, but you've seen it on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. (laughs) What happens is in Petra, there's this, there are the, it's this, uh, all this sandstone, miles and miles of sandstone. Then one place, you go down this canyon, it's, a, it's just about wide enough to touch on both, with both hands at some places. It's this narrow canyon, the walls rise up maybe 100, 150 feet, and you're winding your way down this canyon for about half a mile. And when you come out of the canyon, all of a sudden you see the treasury right in front of you. Treasury is this building that they carved out of solid rock. They didn't build it. They didn't construct it. They carved it from the top down out of solid rock to be a building. That happened 600 years before Christ came. Now that place is the place that Israel walked through on their way out of Egypt and out of the Sinai wilderness and into the promised land. But it didn't look like that when they walked through. That came later. Here's what it looked like when they walked through. It's a barren, rock-covered place. And Moses says, look, when you get into the promised land and you build these fine houses, like houses like, like we have, and when your flocks and your herds grow and increase, you know, like our flocks and... never, never, You don't understand that part. And when your gold and your silver increases like ours do, he's talking about your bank account. In a strong economy, he's like when you get all that stuff. Don't forget God. He brought you through that wilderness. He brought you through a dry and thirsty land. He brought water out of solid rock for your sake. He fed you manna from heaven. Don't forget. It's so easy to forget when times are good and we're doing well. It's so easy to forget God. And we go, I I did it myself. I powered up. I got the training. I got the education. I studied hard. I've worked hard. I climbed the ladder. I did it myself. And Moses goes, I know you did. Don't forget who gave you the ability to do all that. Don't forget. Because one of the downsides of money, one of the downsides of wealth, is we, it, it tends to distract us from the things that God is doing in our lives. Jesus says it differently in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn over to that one, Matthew chapter 6 is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells his disciples, and us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's start at the end of that and work backward. Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. This is one of the places in the Bible where we tend to disagree with Jesus. Or is it just me? I mean, I I I get to that part and he goes, you cannot serve God and money. And I'm I'm like, yes, I can. (laughs) Jesus, yes, I can. And I really don't want to find myself arguing with Jesus. I don't want to go, no, Jesus, you got this one wrong. I mean, the rest of the Bible is really good and helpful, but that part you got wrong. But in my heart, I'm like, no, I could do it. You cannot serve two masters. And whether your master is money or whether your master is your family or whether your master is your job or whether your master is the sport you like best of all or whether your master is your fantasy football team. It doesn't matter what your master is, you can't serve two, Jesus says. So you have to decide, you have to pick. There's a decision moment for us in here somewhere in our lives. And now you start to realize that even though Money is a medium of exchange. It's not neutral. When it becomes our money, it's not neutral. It might be neutral out there as a thing. It might be neutral. But when it becomes our money, it's no longer uh, neutral. Mike Erie, who's a pastor in Southern California, said this, Money is a rival God that wars for our allegiance. It fights for our allegiance. It knows you can only serve one master and it fights for our allegiance. You know this by your experience because you find out after a while that if you own something, after a while that thing that you own begins to define you and then it begins to own you and then it begins to master you. Do you find this? you own a car? Thank you. Me too. I, two. We own two, like one a piece, you know, like we own a car. There's, a, there's, the, there's the thing in the dashboard of the car. My dad was an auto mechanic. He used to call them idiot lights. Yeah, because you know, if you, if you don't change the oil after a while, there's an idiot light that comes on it's like idiot, idiot you got to change the oil. And if you go, no, I'm not going to change the oil, the car wins because the car will just, after a while, break down. It will stop going. You have to do what it says. Or you have to exchange more. After a while, what you own masters you. What you own owns you. You own a house. Does it not tell you what you must do? And you can delay obedience to it, but it's coming. (laughs) That's how ownership is. And you cannot serve two masters, Jesus says. Either you'll love one and hate the other or you'll hold on to one and despise the other one. And you can disagree with Jesus. Good luck with that. (laughs) The bad news is what we own begins to own us. The good news is our money is steerable. Write this in the mental list you've been making. My money is steerable. Jesus said, working backward up through the passage, he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you looked at this from a medical perspective, you could say that's a a diagnostic statement. That's, a, that's, a, that's diagnosing where I am. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Do you want to know where your heart is? Check your credit card statement. Don't check your budget, because that makes no difference to you. You know, you, don't follow, you know, if you don't follow that anyway, that's not going to help. But check your credit card statement, because that's truth. Or if you're, you know, if you're a Financial Peace University uh, graduate, then check your envelopes. Which one's empty before the end of the month? Because that's truth about your life that's truth about where your heart is where your treasure is there will your heart be also you want to show God where your heart is pull your credit card statement out print it out put it on your counter and pray over it God this is where my money went this is where my treasure is it's diagnostic it will be so helpful to you so it can be diagnostic but can also be prescriptive This statement, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, it can also be a prescription for you. See, you can tell your money where you want it to go. You can tell your money, I want my heart to go there. Or I want my heart to go there. Or I want my heart to go there. You you got a place where you want your heart, then steer your money there. Some people think when pastors get to the place where they're gonna give a money talk at church, like, oh, it's because the church needs money or it's because the pastor needs money. I don't get a percentage, you guys. It's not about that. We talk about this. Jesus talked about this because it's all about our heart. It is not neutral. It's about our heart. And he cares more about our heart than anything. So tell your money where you want your heart to go and steer it there and let that... And let that steer your heart to follow along. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Practice the craft of generosity. We have just entered into a season of generosity. It comes around every year. It's called November and December. Comes around every year, and we get inundated with all these requests of things. We've got things to ask you to invest in, to give to, you know, to be generous for. You know what? November and December should be called training camp. You know, like, in, like, like in, in the NFL, they got training camp in the summer. They practice, practice, practice. There's no games. They're just practicing for when the games start. The games are when it gets fun. Sometimes we look at November, December, we go, oh man, they're going to ask for more money. It's like, I can't wait till Christmas and I can stop. No, November, December, is just training camp to get us ready for the rest of the season where we go, my life is going to be characterized by Generosity. Every time you make a practice of generosity, you commit treason against the God of this world. You commit an act of defiance against the God of this world because every time you make an act of generosity, you open your fingers on that God called money and it changes you. Make an exchange. One God for the other. Tell your money where you want to steer your heart because your heart will follow your treasure. Jesus, I pray for us today to have a heart to hear, to have ears to hear you. I pray for every one of us, Lord. We're all in different places in this journey. I pray for every one of us, wherever we are, that we would go further with you. And even in regard to this, these treasures that we have, that we would go further with you. Lord, lead us, guide us in the path that you have for us that would steer us in your way, that would steer us straight to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.